Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. to the news hammer podcast it's a hammers history podcast brought to you or brought to you by me nigel and also my good friend canning town len say hello len hello hello len <laughs> actually that 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 um that was a little bit depressing that intro because uh, you'd have thought you'd have heard another you'd have something else to listen to after all these years wouldn't you really? well but you remember all that it, it all that commentary, I remember it all. See, see the pictures, you know. I mean, it's 40 oh, well. years ago this year. Big celebration. You know, I suppose they, they, these people are why a lot of people are here. I still come back. We still believe in that team. And this podcast is about yeah. remembering that, remembering that era. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to start, though, obviously not by listening back to 1980 and that great cup one. But we're focusing on what come after. So we've just heard Bonzo lift the cup. And obviously, one of the benefits of winning the FA Cup is we've got to go on a European journey in 1981. Any quick memories before we kick off? Well, 
memories of me, memory playing tricks on me because I could have sworn the first game he played was the Bobby Barnes game against Watford, but it's not. It was Luton Town. It was a it was a loss. Um, but yeah, loads of memories of that season for sure. Um, oh, Charity Shield was a bit of a disappointment, wasn't it? Yeah, I missed the Charity Shield. To be honest, I was away camping um, with my youth club uh, yeah. from Plasto Memorial Church. So we came back home that day, uh, the Charity Shield. So, it, but luckily, it meant the week after I was at the bowling for us to play Luton Town. Mm. Um, we kicked off with the, near enough the same team that won the FA Cup. Paul Brush was in for Frank Lampard, and new signing Paul Goddard. Was What's in. a signing? Not money in them days. Eight hundred grand. I think oh, was he. Was he 800 grand? 800 grand, yeah. Yeah. 21-year-old, England under 21. I think and, it was um, a British record at a time for someone his age. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the first game, I, I remember going there, according to the stats, it was 28,000 now. So, obviously, the cup final started to draw the people back after the yeah. late 70s, early 80s, only drawing around 24,000, 25,000 mark. And was you at the game? Do you remember anything about the Luton or? Well, I remember Luton being a fall in our side. But I can't remember. I can't honestly remember if I was at that game. I'm trying to think of the player that just Moss. Yes. Get that With a tash. Yeah. Oh, Ernie yeah, Moss. Great. I can't. David Moss, David wasn't it? David Moss. David Moss. They'd done the double of us that season, they didn't did. they? It, I think the, the thing to, that, that I find not strange looking back, he's a bit mad, is that out of the 21 home games we played, we lost our first. And that was the only defeat we had that season at home. That's so right. So we won 19, drew one and lost one. And when when you look at that season, the start of it, I'll, I'll run through quickly a few of the games. Yeah, so on. we lost Luton at home 2-1. <clears throat> we then had two away games. Do you remember back then in the days you would play your first game at home on Saturday then you had two away games, one midweek, one on the following Saturday. Yeah. And uh, we drew both of them. We was away at Bristol City and away to Preston North End. Do you remember how you felt at that time? When it As a kid, I, felt like I, I never yeah. took defeats bad. No. It was just, no. oh, well, never mind. Look forward to the next game. It's only a league yeah. game. Yeah. You know, I I, I don't know. I suppose we had the euphoria of the FA Cup win. This is you it. know, we were pushing for promotion as well the season before, but obviously the Cup had taken over, uh, you know, which looking back, you know, whether that would have happened now, probably not. But it was, it was probably, you know, it, let's face it, if we hadn't have done it, you know, a lot of these players would probably would be celebrating the 1975 team, not the 1980 team. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you, I mean, to follow it up, the, the the next home game, which I do remember, we played Burnley in the League Cup, and um, we beat them away two nil. Then we played the our next home game was Notts County. 
Remember that one? Most people remember that game. Then Goddard was up and running with a couple of goals in that game. And and yeah. David Cross started their partnership off. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, and, you know, we dispatched Burnley then 4-0 on another League Cup night, um, which then took us up to Chelsea away at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea were managed by, do you remember? Jeff Hurst. Jeff Hurst. That's right. Can you remember who his assistant was? Yeah, we think it was Bobby, Bobby Gold. Bobby Gold, yeah, another ex I've got a newspaper cutting here, believe it or not, from the game. The report of the match says, no sleep as Jeff shines. Uh, Jeff Pike, though, not Jeff Hurst it was, has discovered a revolutionary new way of preparation for he spent the small hours of the night before Saturday's London derby nursing back to sleep his three-month-old son. He uh, was awoke at 2.30am before the game and didn't get asleep. Apparently, the, foot, the report goes, Sam has looked like paying for earlier wayward finishing as time approached without a goal. Ray Stewart receiving a throw-in deep in Chelsea's aft, crossed early for Goddard to nod down to Brooking. He says the pair's growing understanding, so Goddard dart off to take the prompt return ball and hammer a shot across the goal, where Wilkins' interception turned it over the line, despite the Chelsea defender's great attempt to retrieve the unavoidable slip. John Lowe had been out to Spain, and he had a special message for his young defender, Alvin Martin. Watch out for Paco the Poacher. Castilla's main scoring weapon in next week's European Cup Winners Cup first round leg. So, which takes us now to the European journey that really we want to cover properly in this podcast. Castilla. Yeah. I mean, I can't say I remember the draw being made. I knew we'd got drawn about him. I didn't really know a lot about him being 11. We're roughly the same age. Yeah. Did you know no. anything? In fact, it wasn't until at least the last ten years I knew Castilla were the uh, part of Real Madrid, which was strange. They're because, the B team. Yeah, that's right. I wasn't sure if they were the B team or the kids or whatever. But um, I did always found it strange that we played at the Bernabeu and um, well, forty thousand. Yeah, I don't know if that's their home stadium. It's strange because I now know a little bit Castilla's in Spain. As in Germany, do a lot of the B teams play lower league football. Yeah, and Castilla, I got into the Cup Winners' Cup. I think because Real Madrid had won the cup that year, but we're in the European Cup. Oh, all right, that makes sense. I wondered that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so I don't know if they've had Castilla in the final or because Castilla with Real Madrid's B team. That would make sense because you wonder. Perhaps I should have looked it up before we'd done the podcast. But obviously, um, if you think 1980, Real Madrid won the Spanish title. How do cup. I know that? Do you know how I know that? that they won the, the Spanish title in 1980. Was yeah. it Santiago Cunningham? No, because. Liverpool beat them in the 1981 final in the European Cup, did they not? Out they go to Spain. Start of the European journey. Bit of a tonking, wasn't it? We get beat 3-1. Yeah. Bit of a shameful night for us, um, really. I heard urinating from the top tier. Might not be true. Might be an urban myth. 
someone who'll tell you. A lot of stories get banded about and and we hear a lot of things. I think, I think, oh, if I remember rightly, a West Ham fan though, did get killed. Really? I think this was separate from the crowd disturbance. I think this was after the game. I don't know if there was scraps with the police or anything, but I'm pretty sure that... Um, I don't know if he got oh, do you hit know by what? I was about to or... say, I do remember a story someone got hit by a van. It might have been a bus, yeah. but when you said that, I was starting to think of a van. What springs to mind is I'm pretty sure that the home game after that, that a fan ran from the crowd and put, put a wreath Oh, really? Um, well, I was at that. That was yeah, Watford. Think... That was the Bobby Barnes game. Yes. When you thought yes, that... you would have put your money on it, you'd hear about the bloke for the next 10 or 20 years. You were that impressed with him. As a player, Bobby Barnes, I, I mean, if he was going to think of a modern-day player, I'd liken him to like an Aaron Lennon. Yeah, exactly that, yeah. Had a lot of pace with the ball. But left the ball Fine. behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he would burn down the wing, but the final delivery was just lacking. Castilla at home was two weeks later, 1st of October. Now, refresh um, my memory, right? Go on. I might have seen it. It was probably on midweek sports special, I saw it, but that, that wasn't a live game, was it? No, no. Lucky for me, as it seems, living near the Grand, hmm. my uncle actually picked me up and, and took me to the Grand that night. They sold the programme, didn't they? I remember that. Yeah, I've got a programme. Yeah, I remember. It was a strange thing. There was there was quite a few people outside, I remember. Uh, my uncle knew a few people and thought he could blag his way in. And uh, <laughs> he couldn't. No. It didn't matter who he knew. You know, no one was getting in that night. No. And um, we gave up and went home. And then I think I think we uh, I saw the highlights. My mum allowed me to sit up and watch it. It was it was after the ten o'clock news. Yeah, midweek and um, midweek sports special, wasn't it? Hammers were forced to play behind closed doors, but still scored five against Castilla of Spain. It was because of crowd troubles from West Ham fans in Madrid during the first leg. In the end, setting it up for Pike. and Martin, the two players on the far post, but Cross meets it. And West Ham go two in front from Trevor Brookings' free kick. David Cross, the scorer. Chendo is being waved back on. And Castilia back to their full complement. But it might not be enough to stop Devonshire here. Well, he gets away with a missed kick. Looking on the far post, cross as well, and put in by Goddard. Bernal, and they were caught watching as Bernal came forward with a really marvellous goal for Castilia. Now Brooking, and now Stewart. Morgan again. There's been very few occasions where West Ham have got their first time passing going, but it's brought them a goal that could be the winner. David Cross. Devonshire being allowed to run and Cross gets the hat-trick. The return leg was the behind closed doors games which was an incredible experience um, but we managed to get through that come back from 3-1 down and beat them and get through. So there you go people that was the great Brian Moore uh, describing all the goals going in 
and that pushed West Ham on to the next round where we were drawn out to play the Romanians of Politecnica Timisoara. What I mean, we're, we're going to hear from David Cross soon. A great interview you've done. Do you want to do you want to tell us the interview that you've done with him and hear from? Yeah. Him? Well, the thing about interviewing Dave, you just say, "Do you remember this?" and you let him get on with it. And um, he remembers he's a bright man. He remembers everything like it was yesterday, really. So we got a nice little bit of supplemented it with some footage and um, to make a little bit of a longer story and some uh, images and sounds of what was going on at the time. Uh, patched it up together and I've called it um, back in the USSR, which eventually we'll get to why that's called that bit later. But obviously, you, you know, Anyone that's tuning is knowing what it's what it's all about. We end up going to it, the European journey ends up behind the Iron Curtain. However, um, we did go to Timisoara, which is in Transylvania, which is also a communist country. Back from three one down and beaten and get through. And we played Timisoara again. Going to Romania in the communist era was an experience in itself. Timisoara is actually in. Transylvania, so that's Dracula country, which we were all aware of. So, you know, a remarkable experience, really, to, to be in those kind of places, especially in that austere communist era where, you know, there was, there were, in, in that game and in the Tbilisi game, there were crowds, um, I think the Tbilisi game might be 90,000 watching. And, uh, sorry, not the, yeah, the Tbilisi game and the Timisoara game, they were, they were a lot. And we couldn't work out why on a Wednesday afternoon there could possibly be so many people there. But because of the communist ethos, it, everyone in the town or in the city got their day off work. You got the afternoon off work to go to the game because that's how it worked. You know, you worked hard, uh, but everything was cheap. So it was like very cheap for them to go in to watch the football match. So everyone got off work and was able to go. So massive crowd on a Wednesday afternoon in, in Romania and in, in, uh, in Tbilisi. Yeah, I mean, I was at the first game. We'd done them 4-0. You know, didn't, didn't really know anything about them at all. No, me neither. So, but it was just, you know, it was the first, my first experience of European football. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It was, it was just a night where everything clicked for us. You know, we uh, raced Stuart, scores a penalty early on. I think That's to right. set us on the road. And Billy then, got Edder as well. And then Goddard and Cross, the old duo, popped up. They had a good campaign, Crossy. He likes to sort of play his abilities down. But he had a good campaign. That that killed the tie, really. You would, you know, we we still had the away leg to go, and I suppose in theory anything yeah. happened. The away leg, though, was played on fireworks night. 5th of November, away in Romania. They played during the day. Um, I've got a report here that says the, the match was attended by 25,000. Uh, apparently, prior to kickoff, their theme tune song, Polly Polly, uh, was to the tune of the Yellow Submarine. Is that right? There you go. I mean, yeah. It's amazing what you can find out. Um and West Ham wanted to thank the crew of their Dan Air BAC 1211 who looked after them. <laughs> <laughs> the program actually named them as Captain Foreman and co-pilot Bob Williams. Um, and a hundred fans, their behaviour was exemplary, especially near the end of the game when they were put under some severe, unnecessary provocation. So... hundred uh, fans, hundred West Ham fans. hundred West Ham to... fans made the trip to Romania. How about that? Well, that's quite impressive, isn't it? So... It is. Um, the, just one thing quickly. The teams left in the draw were Benfica, Cole Zeichiena, Dinamo Tbilisi, Feyenoord, Fortuna Dusseldorf, Newport County, Slavia <laughs> Sofia. Uh, Tbilisi had beaten Waterford in the in previous Ireland. round. Uh, yeah, in Ireland. 5-0. Um, now, naturally... We then drew out the hat, Dinamo to police. We did. We couldn't draw Newport and County, could we? No. One thing that I didn't point out is when we played Castilla, their manager came over to watch us play and couldn't speak English. So he watched us play in the Notts County game. And West Ham had to get Pedro Collins from Notts County. <laughs> 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 to beat the translator. How about that? There, so, might, there uh, must have been a more local Spaniard than that. Eh? This is, here we, here we go, I found it. I like this. Juan Joe, as he is known to the Castilla, does not speak English. However, or called him the wrong name, Notts County's Pedro Richards kindly assisted his interpreter during a pre-match discussion with John Lowell. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh dear, there you go. That's that was the good old days, isn't it? Yeah. Does anyone speak Spanish? Uh, Pedro yeah. does. Yeah. <laughs> Pedro Richards, yeah. that well-known Spanish not county player. Oh dear. But anyway, we we digress onto Tbilisi. The Tbilisi game itself at home, we were shocked by how good they were. Um, we knew that they'd had a winter break, which we didn't. We Obviously, we don't have a winter break in, in England. We just carried on through. They hadn't had a game. So John, when he found out that's who we were playing in the next round, couldn't go, couldn't send a scout to go and watch them because they didn't have any games because they'd had the, don't know how long they had off, maybe the two-month break. And we felt that might work for us because they'd come into a game cold and possibly undercooked. Um, whereas we'd been constantly playing over the winter. But it turned out not to be that way at all. They, they just came out. They, they were better than us on that day. Um, we didn't really know how to cope with them. Um, technically, they were very good. And the game at Upton Park was a massive disappointment. It was one that we thought we'd, we could take away at, at least um, you know, a, an advantage in terms of, of being goals ahead of them. But you know, obviously, we were, we were down and almost went over to Tbilisi itself knowing that we weren't going to get through. In actual fact we did so well because we beat them 1-0 in their ground and um, you know we played well. Uh, Stuart scored, Stuart Pearson scored um, and to beat them was a, a you know it was a result in itself but it wasn't enough obviously because uh, they've got their away goals and you know we were never gonna, really going to realistically going to catch them. Um, so we were so disappointed that I think had we had the away leg first, it might have been better for us, but it, it just turned out that um, that home leg really killed us. So, but they were very good. Technically, they were very good. They had some good players. Um, and the, the lad who marked me, uh, Shivadzi, the, the captain, was, was one of uh, Russia's iconic players at the time, which I hadn't realised then, but looking back and looking up on Wikipedia and stuff, realised how good he was. But uh, you know, they, they were very good. They really were. I think they had a bit more sharpness than us in the first leg. That's what surprised us. We thought they might be a bit sluggish because they hadn't played. You know, it was almost like the first game of the season. You never feel right, and we were thinking they've had two months off or a month off, whatever they'd had, and they wouldn't. You know, they would be like we might be in August on our first game, where you're just trying to find your feet again. But they just came out of the blocks and surprised us with that. They were sharper than us on that night, um, and. Uh, they taught us a lesson, really, and you know, there was there's not much we could do about. Uh, I, think, I think I said right at the start of this that we were shocked by how good they were, and we we weren't aware of it. Perhaps the lack of, you know, the, we couldn't scout them. John couldn't send anyone out there to watch them. I'm not blaming that. You know, when you play eleven against eleven, you've got to do better than them on the day. But you know, we didn't really know how good they were going to be, and it did surprise us. It really did. It's it's one game as a kid that has really stuck in my mind. Yeah. I must admit, it was a style of play. I, I mean, as a, as a youngster, you don't really pick up on styles of play. But obviously, we were in League Two, in Division Two, as was, which is Championship in New Money, and people never really played that type of football. I mean, they broke with pace. That you know, when they, they nicked the ball off of us, they absolutely murdered us. Some of the players they had, I've, I've never forgotten. Um, Shevardnadze was one, and uh, Kipriani 
I think is how you pronounce him, was another. And they just tore us apart. Absolutely tore us apart. Ruthless, weren't they? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure Ray Stewart missed a penalty that night as well. Did he? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that is one. Perhaps I should have done my homework, really, and looked it up. But I'm pretty sure he, he did. He, he missed a penalty that night. Yeah, um, I mean, they went up 2-0 pretty quickly. I think it was Cross again that got our goal back. And then they just took it away for us by getting the next two in the second half. Um, unfortunately, the only there is highlights on YouTube if people want to catch the game, but you only get a Russian commentator. Yeah. Um but I recall, it, I don't think it was on TV either. I I I sent I am pretty sure I remember it. How I remember it was I remember listening on my Spider Man radio for the start. Yeah. Uh remember that bit yeah. vividly. Listening to it and then um catching up on the images on World of Sport, I'm pretty sure it was Diggy Davis presenting it. And then you're seeing it there and it's sort of you're seeing your heroes getting an absolute tonking. Absolute. I mean, I mean it's hard to describe in a, in a way it's to try and bring it up how it would be nowadays. I mean, when you look near enough, the whole crowd would stay behind. And That's I mean, they, they and got a standing ovation. Yeah. Uh, 35,000 at the game gave Tbilisi a standing ovation. Yeah. And you think nowadays if you're 3-0 down with 10 minutes to go, people are pouring out. Yeah. But, you know, perhaps I missed the time of doing it. I just don't remember people leaving. No. No. Plus, um, of course, the, it was the first leg as well and people, it was still something to play for right through the 90 minutes. But full house, well, judging by the the footage that I've seen recently, full house, and there must have there was seen something that looked more like modern day Premier League football than you've ever seen before. The pace of it and yeah, counter attacking and as I say, I'd never seen anything like it. No, you know, as an eleven year old, um, I remember. I, I, you know, the reason for Shevardnadze, I remember because he he played in the eighty two World Cup. And uh, I always remembered him watching him then, you know, a year later, playing for Russia in Spain. Mm. Um, absolute fantastic player mm. for, for them uh, at the back. And, um, oh, sorry, in the midfield, I believe he was. It made the, the trip out to Russia a, a, not, not a, a, a dead rubber, but obviously, you know, there's always hope. And, and lo and behold, we You're do right. beat them in Russia. Yeah. Um, Getting clean sheet. Stuart Pearson. That's right. Scores his, I think, his last ever goal for West Ham. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Came on as a sub. Um, He only played two games that season. Yeah. Uh, Quite a bit good, wasn't it? Because of injury. Yeah, that's why we bought a couple of those. What I'll do is, just to highlight you, actually, probably how great that win is, Um, I've got an article here. That, that explains um, West Ham's trip to Moscow. The trip out there was 27 hours. 
and they said they were beginning to feel like they were the James Bond of soccer. They got held up. They had to fly to Moscow first. No direct flight to Georgia. So everybody had to fly into Moscow first. They had to get off the plane where they were held at Moscow. 40-odd members of the official party were then held at Moscow Airport. Um, it's, it basically, it took them one hour to obtain permission to leave the departure compound just to go to the toilet, which was 20 yards away and they had four armed guards placed around them. And the rules were only one player at a time could go to the toilet. Uh, they were stuck there for four hours. They had, they had to um, do free passport checks. Um, Imagine David it, Cross's jokes in four hours. Yeah. He must have gone through his, gone through <laughs> well, his own repertoire. Imagine the card score, yeah. <laughs> which we'll we'll get onto in those four hours. It's basically they had to stay overnight, and uh, they managed to get permission because they had no food, and they had their own food. But their own food had been locked in the plane, and they finally got some, uh, and they finally got into their hotel at two a.m. in the morning in Moscow. Um. Apparently, during that period, several supporter planes had arrived and they had to be found hotels as well. Um, they were woken at 8 o'clock in the morning. Bearing in mind, it was 2 o'clock when they got to bed. And the, the plane was supposed to leave at 9 for Tbilisi. Uh, only those uh, below the third floor had hot water. Any of the players above the third floor in the hotel had cold water to wash in. They didn't get on the plane till 11 o'clock. And they finally arrived at Tbilisi 4pm on the Tuesday when they were playing on the Wednesday. Uh, apparently the hosts in Georgia, though, bent over backwards to look after West Ham and look after their needs. And they were the first foreigners to visit Dynamo's training ground. Um, to get back, though, they then got to Tbilisi Airport after the win to find that their plane was still in Moscow, which was 1,400 miles away. So they had to wait another three hours. Uh, but luckily at Moscow Airport, it only took them three hours to be processed instead of like the, the four or five hours or seven hours before. Uh, but one problem came to light was that Trevor Brookin, all the players had to declare the cash they took into the Russia yeah. and then they had to declare the cash they took out well Trevor Brookin left Russia with more money than he went in with and uh, the Russians weren't weren't impressed with this and they had to explain that because Trevor was the overall winner in the card school <laughs> and they had to show that all the other players actually were coming out with less money and all that was now in Trevor's money <laughs> Could you imagine Brooke and explain it? Well, you know, I, I was on the lucky streak. <laughs> do you know what? I just can't imagine Trevor playing cards. No, you know, me neither. Like, you know, I can imagine Crossy and, and Bonzo and, yeah. and, you know, maybe Alvin chipping in. Yeah. But not, 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 not straight-laced Trevor. No. no, not at all. They, Happy they families. Sorry, go on. Happy families who'd have played, wouldn't they? <laughs> well, yeah, no, probably. No. We might be doing him a disservice. We might be well, the instigator. 
Yeah, perhaps West Ham wanted a prize to 200 fans, the flu had it. <laughs> 200, I mean, 200 fans. I don't know where they were. 1981. Well, 200 fans. Their journey must have been worse. Uh, well, if you were to this and you went to Tbilisi, we would tell us what it was like. Well, I'll elaborate. There is one that I know is, is a story Bill Gardner tells. Oh, of course. He, but he, he faked his own broke injury. It, yeah. He broke well, his own hand. Didn't quite fake it. He, he actually, no, he did, actually break did it. <laughs> I don't think he meant to break it, but yeah. Um, West Ham landed at seven o'clock Thursday morning, and perhaps that then explains why two days later we only drew with Oldham Athletic one all, which was the the only other game. So we won every home game in the league from August to the end of March. And the, the one draw we had all season at home was Old Athletic. Oh, oh they worth so, it when you think about it, was it? I think we can forgive the them point. that, can't we? Yeah, of course. It all worked out all right in the end, didn't it? Uh, it's, I mean, the Dynamo Tbilisi trip, unbelievably, after all that, was sandwiched between the two Liverpool League Cup finals. Yeah. I mean, was you, did, did you get the Wembley? Was no. you lucky? No. I, I could I'd do it very quickly. We got the train from Plasto to Wallgate, or Allgate East, then walked to Wallgate, and um, got the Metropolitan Line to Wembley. I always remember walking past the railway tavern at Plasto at nine o'clock in the morning, and the pub was open and people singing bubbles <laughs> as, as we walked past. My uncle uh, lived Stratford Road then, which is just by the railway, like above the railway tavern, Plasso Station. Um, I, I, I remember the view from my seat was um, opposite the Twin Towers. So I could see the Twin Towers from my seat. Yeah. So we, we were facing, where we sat was facing the Royal Box. It was a tight, tight game. Extra time. Alan Kennedy. Smashes the ball. Flies over the head of Sammy Lee. And for whatever reason, the goal's given. I can feel the disappointment now. Yeah, it, it was... It, it, he was I, a drama queen, that Thomas, wasn't he? He'd had previous... I'm pretty sure in one of the World Cups, he disallowed the shot in mid-air. In the last minute, it blew out for full time. Yeah, I'll tell you the stuff. <laughs> I am a sad stato. It's Brazil against Sweden. Was it 78? Yeah. And that's Brazil right. get a corner. I think it's nil-nil. He allows Brazil to take the corner, but as the ball's crossed, he blows the final whistle as Zico, I'm pretty sure, heads the ball into the Swedish net. And the Swedes went absolutely mad. Uh, sorry, the uh, the Brazilians went absolutely mad at him. I, I think I would call the nearest we've got to Clive Thomas now is probably Mike Dean. In in in. I think you're doing a disservice to Mike Dean, but yeah, you are. <laughs> Do you think? I mean, let's get let's get this right. In the in the age where red cards and yellow cards were quite rare, he was his nickname was. Do you remember what his nickname was? Is this Clive Thomas? Clive Thomas. Well, we had a few words for him, but... Yeah, his nickname was Clive the Book. 
Oh, well, is that right? Clive the Book Thomas. But I'll recall him. He was he was interviewed a lot. He come out explaining why he did things, which you don't you never saw since. He was the first I don't know how to use the word, but celebrity ref. He was the first ref you knew yeah, the, the he, name uh, of, wasn't he? I mean, and at the time, he was, yeah, he was the what you would class the leading referee in the league uh, oh. in Division One. We, we, you got to remember because we didn't play Division One then. We didn't really have him a lot, did we? Nah. So, but uh, obviously, then Lyle at the end of that game, Lyle had his running with him. Yeah. Where Thomas claimed he was called a cheat, and, and yeah. John said, "I don't want to go out on people." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, John Lowe said but I felt I cheated. This yeah. is John Lowe. He said that. He said he felt cheated. He and felt we'll leave it there. We'll leave it at that. Uh, the replay. Do you remember the replay? You must have watched it. Of course I do. Yeah, the Oaks were up when Jimmy and Abel was running down the wing. There knocks it across. Paul Allen. He puts his head, didn't he? Yeah, diving header. And I'm thinking to myself. Come on, I'm getting the feeling of the, you know, I'm getting a taste for silverware if it comes again. Yeah. And then, I, did you watch it at home? Yep. Yeah, I, I was in a, 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 a pub in Plaza called the Libra in Stratford. Really? really? Um, yeah, it was a big night. Believe it or not, I'd, I'd sung at the Royal Albert Hall the night before. Um, You're going to have to elaborate on that. Well, you know, it, it, it was Newham Goes to Town. So Newham uh, Music <laughs> Academy. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 Newham Music Academy. How could we come up with a name like that? Well, Newham Goes to Town, isn't it? And we're all going <laughs> up west, aren't we? You know, it's all going out, aren't we? You know, your bow ties and everything. Well, we had to dress up smart. I mean, the, the funny thing is, is, is uh, uh, very quickly, I went Mavens Cross School in Canning Town. And basically, uh, me and a few of my mates, they asked for some, you know, they wanted some boys in the choir. So we said, we'd do it. And then they told us what was going to happen. I didn't fancy it. And my mate grabbed hold of me and said, we get a day off school. Yeah, that was all about <laughs> choir, wasn't it? I was in the same boat. So now I'm in the choir, mate. I'll tell you, I can't sing the topic. I'm in the choir. And we get to go to the Royal Albert Hall and sing in every school from Newham. Uh, took the was um, at their own choir and we had to sing songs. I always remember we sung, it was the first time I remember singing Beatles songs. She's Leaving Home was the one. Nice. There you go. That's the, uh, yeah, so that was the night before the final. So when was the final? So that was the 31st of March. The final was the 1st of April. And the next night I'm in the library pub um, sitting next to a woman. Mad things you remember. Holding a lucky horseshoe. <laughs> and I was sitting sitting on a stall, weren't allowed at the bar. I had to sit further back and uh with with this with this old old dear and she yeah. had this lucky horseshoe with claret and blue ribbons on it. Um the the one thing for me that sticks in my mind is uh the second goal. If Billy Bonds hadn't stuck his knee out, I think Parks. Oh, I remember that. It, it, yeah, it deflects over him, doesn't it? Yeah. Alan Anson, wasn't it? Yeah, Alan Anson. Oh, it's all coming back now, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, oh, man. We've done so well previously against Liverpool for a second division team to come out against the 
this was beyond the best team in the world, wasn't that moment? That point. Yeah, I mean, you contained them in the charity shield pretty much in the first leg. They were the only team that could really, you felt that time, that could go up against us. Because we, we made mincemeat at Tottenham, we murdered them in the League Cup final. I um, said, so quarter final. Yeah. Well, that was only 1 0. That was a good Spurs side that struggled against us. And then when, you, but when you're going up against Liverpool, you, we held our own and we collapsed, didn't we, in the end? Unlucky. Yeah, it was unlucky. I, I, I'm not, <laughs> I don't Did remember. Did we have any other chances? Not really, no. Didn't, did we? Not really. Liverpool, you know, as you said, you know, only the week before or, or two weeks before, well, yeah, about 10 days before, they'd been in Moscow, you know, and all trials and tribulations. After that, we'd we'd played two games, Oldham and Bolton. Yeah. So, Should we say we were tired? Yeah. I, I just Fair think, enough. you know, we'd run away with the league. Yeah. And and perhaps it you know, just that one game caught up with us. You know, we yeah. would have known modern day would have had a penalty shootout at Wembley. You know, pr- yeah. perhaps it it, it, it momentum was with us. Yeah. Because would be behind us because, you know. I just think it's funny if you look back at the FA Cup run. We beat West Brom, we beat Villa, and then we look at this this League Cup run, we beat Coventry. We beat Spurs, you know, and took Liverpool, who went on to win the European Cup that year, to a replay. Yeah. You know, and yet when you look at basically our history, is we're always the team on the other foot. Yeah. When the underdog comes to us, they do us. And yet here we are, the underdogs. Of course, I forgot about Arsenal in the Cup final. When we're the underdogs, we turned it on at that time. Yeah. Um... We'll finish up here. We're coming to the end of the season. Uh, I, you know, we'd already secured, I think, the game, the next game after the League Cup final, we secured promotion, beating Bristol Rovers. There were still six games to go of the season. We beat Bristol Rovers 2-0. A week after that, Crossy gets four goals away at Grimsby. And then promises Parkley the match ball and next time he gets a hat-trick. Yeah. And he only had to wait. Whoa. Another five games, six games, six, seven games, seven, seven games. games. Yeah, before he did Spurs, but that's we'll save that for another yeah. season. Yeah. So uh, we finished up at home. We had two away games, but we finished up at home. Second of May against Wrexham. Finally beat them. Eh? we beat them one nil. Ray Stewart penalty, and best day of my life. <laughs> Oh, I should, apart from my marriage and apart from the kids being born, <laughs> I should add. But uh, yeah, um, that 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 will day will live me forever. As, uh, get get into old Billy Bond's hand and walk out on the pitch, and it was the last game of the West Terracing. So they had closed off half or a, a third of the West Terracing for. The implementation they were making it all seat at the West End. So that yeah. was the last time people stood up, Wrexham home, on the West Terrace next to the tunnel. Why did they get rid of the terrace? I don't Do remember. I don't know. Around the time I remember Coventry, I think, were the first team to go all seater at Highfield Road. I don't know if it was around that time, 
for, for whatever reason, they they would, you know, I, I, it's, it's difficult. I stood on the West Terrace a few times. Uh, Swansea's one game, I remember. I went with my cousin, not my uncle. Um, we won 2-0 that time. In a in a league game, but I used to stand there for the reserve games. I used to go a lot of reserve games because um, they were played on the alternative Saturday when West Ham was away. So I would go That's and watch right. the reserve game. Um, and th- you know we used to run up and down the West Terrace. And that's my I mean my memory of the West Terrace. If I think is is watching West Ham reserves, uh, and we even had our own reserve captain Mick McGiven. Oh yeah. I don't think I ever saw a player first team game, but he was like the reserve captain. Became a coach, didn't he? Yeah, he became a coach. Uh he stayed with us till John Lowe left. Um and then ended up at he Chelsea. He went to Ipswich Town with him, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. I know he was at Chelsea as well. Um yeah, that's right. and that was it, and we finished the season. But it's mad we played three games in six days. We beat Wrexham. Drew with Cardiff and then finished the season. Defeating Sheffield Wednesday 1-0, which left West Ham top of the table with 66 points. You, you, do you know what record that is? Two-point record. Two-point record. And it was the last season of two points. That's right. So it was never going to get beat. It was never going to get beat. 19 games at home they won. Drew won, lost one. They uh, won nine games away, drew nine games away and uh, only lost three. They went top of the table. Uh, they were top of the table for six months oh, without losing it. Um, how many games did we play that season? Do you know? 60? 61. Yeah, 61. 61. Right, I'll give you a test. Go on. So, two players played in right. every game. Big Phil. Yeah. Hang on a minute. Yeah, yeah, big hill. That's one. So who's the second player played in every game, all 61? Mm, intuition says Billy. No, he played 60. I, I think it's actually Frank Lampard. Uh, Frank Lampard played 54. What's that? Who could it have been? I'll give you one more go. He played 60. So someone played 61. Yeah, do you want to know who it was? Jeff Pike. Jeff Pike, sorry. Funny, isn't it? You don't, he was such a utility player and spent so long as a sub, you wouldn't have guessed him. I, yeah. I might have guessed it because you said, I bet you don't know, it kind of is, kind of funny, kind of questions. I mean, the, the big Jeff thing Pike. for me out of that is, all right, we played 61 games. So we've got two players there that played in every game. We then had three players that only missed one game which was That's David Cross, um, Alvin Martin and Ray Stewart. And Bonzo missed two games. So, you know, that's six players there, you know, that yeah. played near enough every game. What are the excuses these days, eh? Well, they, you know, they played on crap pitches that were mud heaps in yeah, January. They drank, they smoke, they yeah, ate steak as a pre-match meal. <laughs> yeah, play cards. You Lost know, to their teammates. It, fitness regime was, you know, running around Epping Forest or Anal yeah. Forest. And and yet, you know, no injuries. 
near enough three quarters of the team played over 50 games. We used 17 players in the whole season. Unbelievable. 17 players. 17. And, and um, Paul Allen only played five through injuries. Bobby Barnes played two. Pancho um, must have only played Nicky a Nicky Morgan played six. Nicky Morgan, yeah, he was part of the European campaign, I recall. First um, time. What am I getting it? No, State you're home. right. Yeah. Yeah, he played in three of the sure? games, coming on as a sub twice. Yeah. And that wraps it up then. That's 1981. Um, for me, I don't know about you, West Ham's greatest ever season. Definitely. Without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow, best team, that 1981 team. Yeah. Won, won the second division title, got to the final of the League Cup, taking the European Champions to replay. And then quarter-finals of the European Cup Winners' Cup and played three games in the FA Cup as well. Yeah. All against the same team. Yeah. And we, that was, if you include the Cup final, we, I'm pretty sure we went to Wembley three times in 10 months. Uh, mm. Yes. So we went May 80, August 80, and then March 81. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, great days. Yeah, they were right. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us, Len. We'll You're see welcome. you next time. Enjoyed we do it. it. This is uh, this this is if this was a sitcom, this would be the pilot episode. Yeah. Uh, so we'll yeah. leave it up to the listeners to decide. Yeah. If, if you want us back, so yeah. make sure to leave comments and tell us what you think of it, what you'd like to hear, if you'd like to hear other stuff, seasons and whatever. And me and Len will get together and, and perhaps in a month's time bring you another one. Yeah. I mean, but, we're going to run out of seasons. Well, at some point, yeah. We, yeah. yeah mean, we, 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 can't, we can't do one a week. But, yeah. uh, to, so we'll, we'll perhaps we'll get it down to one a month. But to play you out, we've got the 1975 FA Cup final team singing for me the greatest ever West Ham song, which is the B-side which is just West Ham United. Thanks a lot. See you later. Ta-da!
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.